Hello and welcome to another podcast of The Wondering Christians. On to the new topic. Um, for those that, for those of you who are aware of my blog and that have read my latest blog posts, you will know that I'm starting a series on the history of scripture um, as well as looking at the reliability of it. So the main topic we're going to look at today is very much related to this and it's really hopefully going to be a discussion about how we got our Bible. Um, So we'll be talking about why we're talking about this and what the purpose is uh, and then we'll be going moving on to subjects such as the Old Testament, uh, looking at things such as the the structure of it as well as the different manuscripts that we have, for example, the Dead Sea Scrolls and the different translations, such as the Septuagint and the the Apocrypha. After that, if we have time, we'll move on to the New Testament, where we'll look at the arrangement of the New Testament as well as the authority of the New Testament. And then maybe even after that, we might move on to the earliest Christians, looking at the early church and the establishment of the canon. How does that sound to you? That sounds good. (laughs) That's a lot of things and, and it's a lot of interesting things. And at least for now, I'm, I'm well, f- forever as well. Uh, I'm going to be learning a lot. Um, I don't know too much about this. I've read a book once called More Than a Carp- Carpenter. Um, and it's a very good book and it explains how Jesus was more than a carpenter. It was basically done by this guy that, um, uh, I think his name was Josh McDowell. Uh, and he... He wasn't a Christian and he tried to prove Christianity wrong. Yet when he tried to prove it was wrong and go and investigate, he actually became a Christian. Should we dive into it with the uh, why and what the purpose of this is really? Yeah, let's go. Uh, So let's start off with some scripture. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 through 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So from just looking at that, what do you think about that verse? I think it's a very strong principle that um, if it wasn't in the Bible, um, you know, there would be a lot more confusion about the subject. So telling telling the church that, you know, all of scripture is God-breathed and... Um, it's, it's got divine inspiration and it's not just, you know, some opinions some people have. That's essential. It, it, it Basically, it tells us to read the whole Bible, um, that there's important things and maybe different things uh, in different parts of Scripture and we, need, and we should know it all. Uh, because if we don't know it all, we won't be as complete and equipped um, as God may want us to be. Um, it also teaches us that reading the Bible has an impact on us. It's not uh, just an interesting story. It actually has an impact on our righteousness and the way we act. Um, yet it, reading the Bible doesn't force us to act in the correct way. It, it just equips us uh, for every good work. And also, uh, it also says that um, scripture is good for teaching and reproof. So basically, it's got good theology. It's it's the correct uh, interpretation, and that it doesn't necessarily say that other scriptures are wrong or whatever. I don't know. Like I'm trying to look at this from a what what the Muslims would say, but um, 
or, or Mormons. You know, they have other scriptures, um, but this one, the Bible, is the one breathed out by God. Definitely, I definitely agree with that. I think this verse just shows the absolute authority of scripture. Um, it shows how it is the, the how the word is the sword, and it is also the shield. Okay, that it is, and and, and in some ways, I, I I see it as a challenge mm-hmm. to any man to try and almost like prove scripture wrong. Yeah, it's it's almost a dare. Yeah. We're saying that we can have such reliability and we can have such faith in the scriptures, we can have such good knowledge of the scriptures that and, and this is the source part that we can use it for the reproof of others and their ideologies. Yeah. We can use it for the correction of others, whether that be people of other ideologies or our own brothers and sisters of the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as training to, to grow as men and women of God and going to the shield part really that the man of God may be competent equipped for every good work and so I think what it really says in one verse is how to be a good tree that produces good fruit by not only having a great understanding of scriptures and of God and what God wants Mm -hmm. but also of how our own actions and self pammy good and righteous how also how we can help others become good and righteous through the holy spirit and of christ mm, yeah i think you touched on a, a principle there that's very important scripture guides us through life it doesn't say uh, it's profitable for all it's all of scripture is profitable for teaching it doesn't say it's it's what's needed for every single lesson uh, it doesn't mean every answer is found in the bible for every single thing, uh, we have our consciousness, we have other things for that, and science or whatever, as we talked about in the last podcast. But for what it's uh, supposed to do, which is the spiritual guidance, um, yeah, definitely. It's got, um, it's a guide for us. And whilst we might have other books just to read and take some, you know, take some notes, uh, get interesting facts, and maybe even guide us for a while during our lives or whatever um what what matters out of those other books it's just those principles that you take out however the bible what matters is the book itself and the principles obviously as well but you can't separate the principles from the book and you carry the book along with you for the whole of your life um it's like carrying god's word with you uh, literally so yeah yeah Moving on from that, I think now would be a good time to actually explain what the Bible is. So in some parts of the world, some people call us the people of the book. Mm-hmm. That is a factually incorrect statement. Oh. <laughs> because Bible is of the Greek word Biblia. Biblia uh-huh. does not mean book. It means books. It's plural. Mm-hmm. So going on from that, the Bible is a collection of books letters, poems, and songs that span over 4,000 years of history, starting with the book of Genesis and ending in the book of Revelation. It is split into two parts for the Christians. Many Christians today refer to these two parts as the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament contains the books of of the law, the prophets, and the writings. These 
three books contain many messianic prophecies and they're of the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant pointing forward towards the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The New Testament is made up of books being eyewitness accounts of Jesus Christ from the Apostles, Mm -hmm. as well as epistles written to the various churches, such as the churches of Corinth and Rome. Do you have anything to add to that? No, I think that's it, yeah. So, going on from that, one of the earliest biblical manuscripts that we have is something called the Amulet of Ketef Hinnom. Okay. which is dated, I believe, around 587 BC. What this is, very quickly, is, is actually a very small piece of scripture. And it is scripture that I believe is intact. And it is the Lord's blessings. Hmm. So it may, you know, the Lord bless you and keep you, may his face shine upon you. Okay. That's one of the earliest manuscripts that we have, and it's quite remarkable because through that ancient manuscript, it just shows that in this case, uh, especially that not one word has been changed really since then. Hmm. Overall, roughly, we have about 25,100 manuscripts Hmm. of the New Testament alone. That is more, far more than anything else. Yeah whether that be documents on the Roman Civil War or the wars with the Persians. Mm -hmm. It is more than writings such as um, Homer's Odyssey or the Iliad. Mm -hmm. And I believe it is even more manuscripts than than the Quran. Yeah. (laughs) Which which was written 700 years, yeah, about 700 years later Mm -hmm. around around, uh, probably Northern Arabia. Or, or, or uh, Edom or Baghdad. Yeah. I actually heard. <laughs> uh, sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to say, let's not go on to that though. <laughs> go on. <laughs> if, if you want to add, add anything, go on. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, no, I was just going to say um, how I thought, how I heard once that they, uh, the Muslims had to burn all exist they had to like after 100 or 200 years after muhammad died or something they had to burn all the qurans that they could find and only print one official version because there's so many types and so many variations coming out that they weren't being able to control it and whilst we have many translations and um you know many versions or whatever it's all our manuscript our manuscripts all uh, um, are all the same, um, differing only in like some grammatical things or some synonyms. Even after the Muslims did that, um, there are 37 different Qurans that I know of, hmm. different Arabic versions of the Qurans. Yeah. yeah the Quran was only canonized in 1921, I think, in Egypt. And when they chose the Hafs Quran, um, they threw 
I believe they threw all the other Qurans into the River Nile. Oh, wow. We have more manuscripts in the New Testament alone than anything else, really, by far. I was once debating. You're not really debating, but doing evangelism in an island off in the uh, Atlantic, and uh, a Portuguese island, and... Um, I was talking to two historians and I was and I had I think I had just read this book or was reading it or something so I was talking to them and when they said they were historians I was like oh wow nice and um and they were kind of talking they were saying you know ah you know the bible and you know it's not necessarily true there's been so many variations I was like well you guys should know that this is like the historical document with the most proof it is literally the case that if you don't believe that the bible is legit after all this time then you should not be believing in things like the roman civil war because we barely have anything on the roman civil war yeah and other wars and other parts of any any other part of history really yeah especially ancient history yeah so i told them how like caesar i asked them if they believe in uh julius caesar's conquest of gaul and they said yeah obviously and i I asked them well you know those documents i think they were discovered in 900 uh, ad a few of them Uh, and i was like and that compared to the bible is you know it's nothing nothing of the like um but the issue and i think to be honest the apologists around the world have done a very very good job of proving how the bible is a historical document and it's you know what's in there is historical uh even to just like one or two decades after it was written at the manuscripts so i think the main problem is how can they accept um the miracles and the actual message of the bible um yeah i think that's their main issue Yes, I think three main questions can be raised on the Bible's authenticity. Okay. Uh, For example, um, when was the Bible written? Mm -hmm. How can we know that the scriptures have not been changed, that we may trust it? Okay. And how did the word of God go from himself to that ancient people of the Near East? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, of course, it can be argued by people that... Okay, okay, the scriptures were written at this point, but it doesn't mean that they weren't changed at a later date or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I've heard a lot of people say that, sadly. Should we try and answer these uh, questions one by one? Yeah, we can. So can you repeat the first question? Yes. (laughs) Good luck answering. Uh, When was the Bible written? Well, you know, it's uh, the first century uh, after Christ. Or after Christ's birth? It, I, I, I think it depends on what you consider as the Bible. Because I personally, I, I've heard people consider that the Bible is just, they, they've just ref, referred to it as like the New Testament. Oh, right. Okay. But I would consider, um, and you, I think you're going to agree with me at this from, from what you just said then. Um, you know, the Bible is all the way from Genesis to Revelations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, actually, it's it's the wrong kind of question to ask. Mm. The Bible was completed by the end of the first century AD. With uh, the revelations of St. John. Yes. I think was the last book to be written. However, the first book of the Bible, Genesis, uh, was 
started to be written by Moses in around 1400 BC. So I actually heard Job was written before Genesis. Some people believe, uh, some theologians believe Job was actually written before Genesis. And it accounts a time, at least it accounts a time of something that happened before what happens in, well, the story of, of Moses. That's what I've heard, but, you know, it's just a, a side note. This is raised a very interesting point, actually, because we could, on another podcast, we could actually talk about the biblical books, the, sorry, not the non-biblical, the, the, the books that have been excluded from the Bible. Yeah, yeah. We could explore them and see why that, that, that is so. We could do that in a different series. Yeah. Um, but anyway, as I was saying, as... as Going back to what I was saying before about the actual term Bible, Biblia, meaning books, to ask the question when was the Bible written is not exactly an accurate, is not exactly a perfect question to ask. It's better to ask when either when the Bible was starting to be written, or when it was complete, or when the individual books of the Bible, or epistles, or poems, or songs, uh, were 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 written, and I think that really leads us on to the next question: Is how can we know that the scriptures have not been changed that we may trust it? How do we know that the scriptures were in fact written mm. at a later date than it claims by someone else? Yeah, I guess one way of looking at it is: Oh no, I was going to answer, but I just self-refuted myself in my head. <laughs> no. So that's not <laughs> German efficiency. Uh, um. <laughs> um, let me think. So, can you repeat the question again? Gosh. Okay, so I think I think I'll go for a bit. Okay, so we've just kind of like answered when was the Bible written. Oh yeah. Okay. So let's now answer the. So let's now talk about the question: mm-hmm. How do we know that it was written at that time? it claims well i think you'd have to go and look at the manuscript so and see when they were dated yes but if the manuscript if that one of the earliest manuscripts is 587 bc then how do we know that the book of genesis which is supposedly written in 1400 bc uh wasn't actually written in say 600 bc i think you could okay so for the old testament it might be a bit harder so for the old testament you probably have to look at how the historical like just history and other other random documents, other historians knows it done history and how they agree with what happened in the Bible. Very um, good. But still, I guess you can still make the claim that um, uh, they they were still written at a later date anyway. Um, however, I think the best the best way to for the Old Testament would be to find other documents showing that there were a group of people called the Jews and that they were following a, a set of rules or whatever. Um, and those same rules are the ones described in the Bible. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, very good. Um, there is, in fact, a few other ways of doing it as well. Quite very, very much accurately as well. Uh the first one is locations and the name of locations. The second one is the actual names of the people. Okay. Because mm. in 1000 BC, in 700 BC, in 500 BC, 
there weren't really any historians. People weren't interested in looking at the past. People weren't, didn't really record the past. And so if a person was writing a script that they were claiming to be made in 1400 BC, then they would have used names that were popular at the time of their writing. So if they were writing in 700 BC about a person in 1400 BC, they'd have used a name that was popular properly in, and, and that wasn't used in 1400 BC. As, um, and that applies to place names as well. That might, and this also this also ties into what you were saying about looking at historical documents and looking at historical events and seeing whether they match. You're looking at archaeology because you've also got to remember that certain cities wouldn't have existed at the time. Whether they were either not founded, whether they were destroyed, um, and 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 it goes on like that. And by looking at it like that um, I suppose in essence in a way cross-referencing you can actually make a very confident case uh, for, 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 for the Bible for the books of Genesis and Exodus and you know the, the, the books of the laws uh, especially the writings yeah and I think we can say with a lot of confidence that the Old Testament it's um, it doesn't deviate from history in what historical things it does put down. Uh, you know, the pyramids were, are still there. <laughs> um, you know, there's uh, a lot of things. Uh, the conquest of Israel uh, by a group of people called the Jews, um, all those things. Uh, now, the little peculiar, the, the particular things, if did David take the tabernacle, uh, take the Ark of the, the Ark to battle in this certain battle and was it because of the Ark that he won? Those things you can't ever prove with history. You just have to look at the whole book and see how it hits the nail on the head every single time and take, in, take that into consideration. Yes, if, if it hits the nail on the head enough times that you can form an opinion that you can trust the rest of it effectively. Yeah. And this, is, this isn't on small matters either. This is on prophecies for hundreds of years in the future. Yeah. And we know for a fact that a certain book, for example, Isaiah, uh, was written at one point, at one time, and that he prophesied one thing. And then we know for a fact that hundreds of years in the future, this thing actually happened in such a manner that he described. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's another point that I just thought of, you don't see anyone claim to have written it or anyone claim to in the in like um you don't see documents showing some random people in 500 bc claiming to have written the document and you don't see anyone claiming that the document was written a lot closer to when they were living than when it when people believe it was written so the jews at that time they uh, really thought and believed that those documents were written, you know, let's say 700 years ago instead of 200 years ago by some other random people. So if no one's complaining at that time, no one's taking credit for it, everything points to it's, uh, it was written when those people say it was written. Yeah, in regards to the author, she was pretty humble. What do you mean? So, I mean, you don't get the person who wrote it going around, jumping up and down, going, oh, I wrote this, I wrote this, this is all about me. Because it wasn't about them, it was about God. And that's what I mean. The, author, the authorship seems to take like the back seat 
yeah. and God take the front seat. Yeah. And in many ways, like the author isn't even mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's God's words that matters. Yeah, and it's the, the Old Testament, it all, uh, it all, in a certain, like there's nothing that is written in a later book that contradicts something that was written in an earlier book. Uh, shall we answer one more question? So I wanted to ask you what you thought about the acceptance of the Bible, the definition of the Bible, as in how which books are defined to be can a part of the Bible. So the the Jews had, you know, what they believed through the Bible defined, but the New Testament, it was decided by, was it decided by the Catholic Church in 330 AD, I think, during Emperor Constantine's reign? Um, yeah, it was determined under the patristic fathers of the church, yeah. Okay, and so someone's argument might be, you know, they just decided what they wanted to be true and what they thought was true and maybe they left something out, maybe they put something else in. What would you say to that? I think the first... One second, let, let me just... Because um, I actually... I, I did some writing on this yesterday. Okay. Oh, gosh. Uh, this guy comes prepared. <laughs> Okay, so I think one of the main things is that Christian doctrine does not rest upon the Bible itself. The reason I say this is because Christians were around before the New Testament was around. Christians and the churches are around before the Gospels were written, before the Epistles were written. Mm -hmm. The Gospels and the Epistles... would have been received by the church from the apostles, not generated by the church. The Christian doctrine gives rise to the New Testament and the apostles used the Old Testament to talk of Christ because Christ gave them the key to use the Old Testament within that manner, if you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. How we know it's not changed... Okay, so in Colossians chapter 4, verse 16, it states the following. Now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. What this shows is that the scriptures, the epistles and the writings of the apostles were passed around between the churches as well as also copied and of course at the time the apostles were alive obviously when when they when they spread their own gospels and their own epistles and they would have chosen specifically uh which churches that they sent this to and they would have probably trusted these churches and they would have visited these churches multiple times so i think they would have known and an outcry would have happened from among the faithful if they, if any attempt was made to change the scriptures. Yes. Ex- expanding from that, because they were spread amongst so many churches and copied and reproduced, it would have been very blatant and a great outcry would have happened from among the other churches uh, if even one church decided to try and change the change the gospel or the epistles. 
We know that Constantine in the councils of Constantinople and Nicaea, as well as the canonical councils, did not mm-hmm. change the scriptures because plainly and simply we have scriptures before those councils. And I think I think that's what people need to get. That was the council where bishops got together, but they were representing hundreds of thousands of people at that point already of believers. So it's not like they, they did everything behind closed doors and... They made some output, which was the, you know, the, the Bible, this new Bible that they were showcasing to the people. No, a lot of their guidance was what was uh, accepted by the people. And, and we, the Bible that we, we have today was the Bible, based, I think, uh, was the Bible accepted by the people at that time as well, the New Testament. So there are other books around there, but they, they weren't included and, the, and they contradict uh, some of the things, some of the things in the Bible, uh, but they weren't included because people at that time didn't include them either, and their fathers didn't. Their fathers, so let's say two hundred B, uh, two hundred AD, the people in two hundred AD didn't, didn't accept them either. And all the teachings of the church fathers, they they're basically in line with what the New Testament teaches as well, and they don't quote other books that aren't found in the Bible. So. Um, that meeting, they 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 did a they might have done other things wrong, but in the canonization of the Bible, they did a very good job. Yes, and going back to the figure of two thousand, sorry, twenty five thousand one hundred uh, manuscripts. Out of those manuscripts, we could reproduce the New Testament many times over. Yeah, and there would barely be any difference. Exactly, and that's that's what I want to say as well. It's were there differing manuscripts? There are definitely some manuscripts that differed on some things, but like. Most of that was grammatical uh, errors. And when you have, um, not errors, just differences, um, but when you have 1,000 manuscripts saying one thing in a particular part of the letter to the church in Galatia, um, and you have one saying another thing, you know you know which one to choose. There's, it's very improbable that that, other one has uh, the truth whilst the other thousand are, are wrong especially when the other thousands were the the ones passed out and the fact that there are so many versions of the bible out there it's a testament not to it's not a, a bad thing it's actually a good thing because you have thousands and thousands of people going by themselves throughout hundreds of years going by themselves to the original documents and they arrive at the exact same message. And sometimes they use one word or the other, but if you one word or the other. But if you read the Bible and if you read those like if you read a book from the Bible in all the different versions that exist or that are, you know, just accepted, you'll reach the same conclusion. One might use an older version of English, another might use both Two new versions might use two different words, but they have the exact same message. And uh, and it's not just the exact same basic message. They have the exact same message in all of the passages. So it's a testament to how individual people go back uh, to the original documents by themselves. Not to the original, but to uh, the older documents by themselves. 
and they reach the same conclusions, uh, maybe even applying different methods of um, translation. One last thing that I would like to say is that there are many Christians who still don't have the Bible in their own language, but they are still Christian. You don't have to have a Bible to be Christian. There are many languages out there upon which the Bible is still being translated into. However, the absence of the Bible doesn't invalidate their faith. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, the gospel message emerges from the living traditions, the followers of Christ. I think and you have to validate this, but I think that between all of the manuscripts there's about a less than one percent difference in all of them. The majority as as you said earlier, um many of the change many of the uh changes are through either errors in copying uh or purposeful additions to make a verse more clearer of its true uh intent. So for let me just give you an example very quickly in luke chapter 12 verses 22 to 31 he says then he said to his disciples therefore i say to you do not worry about your life what you will eat nor about the body what you will put on it in this sentence there is a scribal addition to this um and that is the word his okay yeah there, throughout scripture there have been some additions, but those all those are noted down, um, and we kind of know who added them. Uh, there are some some places where we don't know if it is part of the original or not. Uh, there's some differing opinions. I think in the end of Mark, um, the last half of the of the last chapter, uh, we're not sure. Yeah, I mean, like another example from the same verse, uh, again, from an, another variant, is he says, uh, therefore I say to you, whereas in another, from uh, another variant, it says, therefore I tell you. But tell me, how much how much of theology or doctrine does that change me, me, make? It doesn't make, doesn't change nothing. And that is literally all of the, what all of the additions or uh, changes are. It's really for clarity or through translation. Yeah, yeah. And even that example of Mark, uh, the last part of Mark, the last chapter of Mark, maybe uh, not being part of the original, it still has, it makes no changes to doctrine either, It's it's um, whether it's in there or not. Um, so you have Bible translations since, since the manuscripts to the Latin versions in medieval times, to the early English and German versions and to the modern ones, all applying different methods uh, of translation and we arrive at the same place. So that's a testament to how uh, the Bible actually is. It's a solid document. It's had little human influence uh, and it's it's almost like it's been divinely kept, but it's had a little human influence because uh, for 2,000, over 2,000 years, uh, the document, the message of the document hasn't changed. Yeah, very well. And I think, uh, I think we'll end it there. Yeah. So thank you everyone for listening who has listened and we hope to see you back in the next podcast. Have a good day, evening or night.